You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to the MLS Multiplex Podcast with contributors from MLSMultiplex.com. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the MLS Multiplex Podcast. Per usual, it is Drew here with Josh and Connor talking all things Major League Soccer and the fun world of soccer as the MLS offseason is continuing um, as we get ready for the 2021 MLS season. Transfers, coaching, vacancies, and everything in between we'll talk about on the episode. So thank you guys so much for listening for wherever you are in the world. Um, As we just talked about, where our listeners are from. So thanks so much for tuning in for another episode um, as we get ready to talk about all things MLS. But before we get to talk all things MLS, it has been... A while since we've really talked, um, so I want to check in on you guys. School and work continues to happen. So Connor, how is reading week done? I imagine, or how how's school treating you right now? Uh, I've been done reading week for. Uh, this is my second week back. Uh, last week, <laughs> the day after we had, um, we were supposed to record, which we didn't end up doing. Uh, I had a midterm with 45% of my grade, so that was fun. Um, much more difficult than I thought it was going to be, which, you know, not ideal. But so far, grades have been going well. Um, we were talking again before this about listening to the podcast ourselves, and we were looking at our analytics and who listens to the podcast. And It's mostly an American audience, but we've got some very interesting countries in there, uh, including... Apparently, we have an Indian audience, so hello, anybody from India. Uh, it's I don't know why you like MLS, but hi. Um, so, yeah, I'm just continuing to grind away classes and all this fun stuff and not talk as much on the podcast, which I do way too much. Um, but, Josh... <laughs> I had to. <laughs> you're the devil. Josh... <laughs> how was your week and i'm gonna start doing the same thing you did to me which this is why we need video on this podcast one one day we'll get there as we as we continue to grow our our worldwide audience for our 175th episode i think we'll do video how does that sound deal Deal. sounds like because good this is this is episode 48 uh and i won't be able to edit a video podcast this semester because i'm busy but josh 
please tell me, uh, based on the fact that you don't work until six o'clock tomorrow night, I assume you're not as busy as Drew and I. No, not not even not even close. Uh, for example, <laughs> this past Monday, I decided to just rewatch all of Ted Lasso. And that's about like that's about five hours of content, and so I just I just watched all that. Like I just like took a day and was like, you know what? Everyone keeps talking about it. Like I'll just binge through all of it. So that that gives you any sense of how busy my life is right now. No, but it it is you know, like I've like I've said the last couple of episodes, it's it's back to some sort of a a normal routine ish for me. Uh, I've got. We've actually got a, a competition this upcoming weekend that I, I am excited for because I missed the first one a couple weeks ago. So it'll be good to to see the group I teach uh, perform for, I guess, a limited audience. I, I don't really know. It's it's all it's all different now. Sounds like a good thing to do in the middle of a global pandemic. I, I dude, I I don't know what to tell you, man. <laughs> I like <laughs> it. Make, it makes me uncomfortable, but I I can't change it. Um, but anyway, WandaVision season finale comes out tomorrow as we're recording this on Thursday night. I am super excited about that. It's been a fun seven week ride and, um, I'm excited to see how it all sort of pays off in the end. So, and you know, until then, this is, this is the stuff that's going to keep me busy as I wait for Atlanta and the rest of MLS to come back. Before you say how you're doing, Drew, I do have a question for both of you because you're much farther ahead in terms of vaccine rollout. So have either of you guys gotten a vaccine yet? No, my parents have, but they are both essential workers. Oh, good. But I have not. I have not, although one of my roommates has. He works at an urgent care down the street, so he was one of the first. And then I, I've, just as time has gone on now these last couple weeks, more and more people I start to know that have either gotten their first dose or already gotten their second dose. So it that is funny you mentioned that. I did see somewhere the other day that the U.S. is actually doing if not the best, they are one of the best countries about rolling out the vaccine right now, which is really, really ironic, but whatever. Yeah, could you send some of those north, please? <laughs> um, we could use some. Although my grandpa did just get vaccinated yesterday for first dose, so that's a good thing. Uh, and in Ontario, they're booking over 80, or 80 and over, starting in Toronto like the 15th of March. So my other two... I have four, all four grandparents. One of them has gotten his first dose because he's more at risk. Uh, one of my grandmas isn't 80 yet, so she isn't qualified for it yet. Uh, but my other two grandparents will get to book it. Um, when do you guys think you'll get your vaccines? That is a good question. So I, UGA in Athens has vaccinated. They did, I think, 65 and up. And then like essential workers got the first dose. And then students got to take a survey just saying if they wanted to take it or not, um, which I said I would like to take it at first possible chance, but I'm not very, I'm not high on the list, I guess is a way to put it. So I think I'm down there because UGA is very big. Athens is pretty big. So I'm not, I'm not chomping at the bit to get it right now because I think it'll be a long while, but I'm, I'm waiting for it. I, I did put in my name in the hat, but we'll see when it actually gets my turn. Yeah, I haven't even really bothered to look into the registration just because I figured, like Drew said, I'd be pretty pretty far down the list as well. But I think I just saw the other day that President Biden mentioned that all of the U.S. will be able to get a vaccine by the end of May. So if if because originally it was July, so if that's been pushed up, I'll probably start looking into that over the over the next week or so, and and finally 
get in line because I, I want that thing as soon as possible so that can get back to somewhat of a normal life, you know, dare I say that. But Drew, how has your last week, last two weeks been? It's been good. Um, it's been pretty busy, I think, as normal. I did not have reading week, um, so that's a bummer. But I think a lot of schools are on spring break right now here in the South, and UGA took our spring break away. So that's a major bummer. But I had a couple couple things to do. I have a midterm tomorrow, but it is it's one of the, it's in sports marketing, which I'll respect to the great educational establishment at the University of Georgia. It's not the hardest class in the world, and I have from 9 to 5 to finish the exam. So I'm not stressing too much about it. Um yeah, you know, baseball season is here. Uh watching some Braves action. The Hawks are looking not that bad. I know we had some talk about the coaching firing to begin with, but the Hawks went two in a row. So that's exciting. Um, yeah, like Josh said, getting ready for MLS. I haven't watched a whole lot of soccer lately, so that's unfortunate. Um, but yeah, it's been a pretty pretty fun week, but my week was made a whole lot better, I think, last weekend when my Manscaped Lawnmower 3.0 came in the mail. I was the last of us three to get it, but I have gotten it, and I love it. And speaking of Manscaped, the support for today's fan-sided podcast is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Uh, Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. They obsess over their technology development to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. It is trusted by over 2 million worldwide. And we have an exclusive off- offer for our listeners, 20% off plus free shipping with the code FANSIDED20 at manscaped.com. You get 20% off and free shipping again with the code FANSIDED20 at manscaped.com. So I encourage listeners to take advantage of that awesome offer because, again, it is a really great product. And speaking of great products, MLS has had some pretty great products coming out of the league and tearing it up in Europe. Uh, we had a player that we have talked a lot about on this podcast, Brendan Aronson. Uh, he started for Red Bull Salzburg in their top of the table clash on last Sunday or this past Sunday. This outline is really old. It was last Sunday. So last Sunday, so almost three weeks ago. Um, but he played no, almost no, no. two weeks ago. Less than two weeks ago. A week Less and a half ago. A week and a half yes, ago. Yes, not, not quite that long. <laughs> he played in the top of the table clash, played well. Um, I, the only thing I saw about that game is Matt Doyle said that was the best soccer he has ever seen Aronson play, which if you know Matt Doyle, you know he's probably the most pessimistic about Major League Soccer as they come. But So when he says good things, that's really awesome. Uh, he scored a goal in the Austrian Domestic Cup earlier this week. So Brendan Aronson, good to see him tearing it up. Uh, Jonathan David, our one of our resident Canadians that we love to talk about on the show, uh, he scored to help Lille stay atop of League One earlier this week as well in France. Daryl DK scored as well for Barnsley in a 2-0 win over Stoke City. Uh, we've talked about him a lot with Orlando City. We talked a lot about his transfer. And Barnsley fans seem to be really excited about Daryl DK. So that's awesome to see MLS product tearing it up in the championship. Um, a player that I don't know if we've talked about at all, Cameron Carter Vickers. He's a center back for Burnmouth. He scored on Wednesday. I'm sorry, how did you just say that? Cameron Carter Vickers. No, the <laughs> team name. Burnmouth. Burnmouth. Ah, how do Bournemouth. you say it? Just say Bournemouth. 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 Oh my goodness, <laughs> Bournemouth. I specifically made it a point to say I don't I don't have any pronunciation questions before this episode. Dude, that's all you use. I know, I know. So he scored really awesome. We've talked about this team before with Thierry Henry. That's disappointing. Weston McKinney scored again for Juventus 
on some Sunday. I don't know how many Sundays ago it was. His fifth this, goal. This across, past Sunday. This past Sunday. <laughs> and I think he did another Harry Potter <laughs> celebration. So maybe that's going to be his new thing. That's awesome. And he also signed a permanent deal with Juve. Um, he is officially a Juventus player. He was on loan from Schalke. And I even saw Schalke tweet something out about him and how much they're going to miss him. So it's really awesome to see an American player tearing it up at Juventus with that Ronaldo guy. Um, so really awesome to see that. Uh, I am going to... Our, Jordan Sabachu scored again for Old Boys last Thursday. Um, so that's really good. We haven't talked about him a whole lot, but I think we talked about him a couple episodes ago. He scored against Byron Leverkusen. So that was really awesome. Uh, Johnny Cadorso scored his first real goal with Internacional in Brazil tonight. I imagine this wasn't too long ago. Again, don't really have a lot of thoughts. L- literally on tonight. So I imagine Josh hopped on Twitter and saw, hey, another American scored a goal in Brazil. That's a really cool league because you don't see a lot of Americans in South America. Big fan of that. So excited to see young Americans tearing it up all over the place. Um, but that was a lot. I ran through a lot of European action. But uh, Josh... As you read off of those lists of Jonathan David, Daryl, DK, Weston McKinney, what is one goal, one performance, or one one point out of this list that's really standing out to you? I am going to cheat, and I'm going to kind of do two of these, um, but they tie into each other. So Daryl DK scored um, for Barnsley, like we said, he scored twice now in the last uh, week or so, which is awesome. It's really cool to see him start to get going with them, and... I think I said this on the last podcast, or maybe it was on our small, small attempt last week, but it's cool to see how much the fans have really taken to Daryl DK. So for him to keep scoring is great, but the other biggest thing is is Barnsley has now won all six of their games since DK signed with them. Now, that's obviously coincidence for the most part, but they have put themselves in a, in a spot to make the prom, uh, promotional playoff to get into the um, Premier League. So that's really cool. However, a team they're facing to get, or a team that they're battling with to get into that playoff um, situation, there's, there's four playoff spots, but Cameron Carter Vickers with Bournemouth, they're neck and neck right now for, I think, that final playoff spot currently. And so for. Cameron Carter Vickers to score a goal, only his second career goal, and to do so and keep Barnsley out of the promotional playoff spot right now is really interesting to me. I think the championship has been getting a lot of it's getting been getting a lot of our attention as MLS fans because of Paul Ariola and Jordan Morris and Daryl DK. But we forget about players like Cameron Carter Vickers. So like Drew said, we haven't mentioned him much on this podcast, but he Came from MLS. I can't remember which team he came from, but he is technically a Tottenham player right now, but he's on loan with Bournemouth, and he's been sent out on loan like three or four years in a row, so it's not a really a big deal that he's with Spurs, but he is still only 23 years old. He's a young player, but he's been playing in Europe for years now, so who knows if anything will come about, but it was cool to see him score, and it's, it's very cool to see his team and DK's team kind of go at each other right now. Um, and you know we didn't really we haven't really talked much about it, but Paul Ariola Swansea City they're also pushing for promotion to get into the Premier League so really cool to see all these Americans having an influence on their teams in England Connor tell us about your favorite I mean we already know who it is but talk to us about Jonathan David 
Hey, you don't. I could change it up. You have no idea what I'm gonna do. Are you gonna change it? I, up? D- I dare you. You won't. But I won't because it's the only <laughs> play I saw this week, <laughs> and it was only a highlight. I mean, hey, man, it's your role. It's your role to talk to us about the Canadians because there aren't many of them. <sighs> He's not <sighs> wrong. Yeah, David Davies. That's it. Okay, we're just gonna ignore Kyle Laren getting interest from like West Ham and Everton and okay. Well, after that disrespect to Atiba Hutchinson as well, his name did um, escape me by the way for a second, but I know who he oh. is. Respect my elders. Yeah. Respect your damn elders, Josh. <laughs> uh, just like you should respect Jonathan David, who's <laughs> scored twice, twice in the 90th and 92nd minute to lead Lille to a two nothing win over Marseille and now I believe Jonathan David is tied for the league lead in goals in Liga he's got 9 and 28 wow so quietly after a pretty poor start to the season Jonathan David is going off uh, and you know what it's amazing to see uh Lille are top of the table as well. And <laughs> the fact that they're ahead of a team like PSG is unbelievable. Um, Jonathan David is a very, very key part in that. Obviously, there are also other factors like Renato Sanchez being disgusting uh, and Yaziki being insane as well. But without Jonathan David's nine goals, they're not where they are. Uh, and I think it's huge that a North American, specifically Canadian, is having that sort of impact on a major, major league uh, in Europe that we aren't even really talking about, quite frankly. Uh, but Drew, even though you just listed them all off, what was your favorite North American abroad moment last week? I think I'm going to say Brendan Aronson because it is interesting with this guy's development how because I'm going off Madaloyle's tweets because I don't get to really watch this league at all. I'm not sure how you even watch this league to begin with. So if anyone has any advice on how to watch Brendan Aronson play, that'd be appreciated. Um, but a lot of the general consensus was that Aronson played really well that one game, and then he did not play so well in the other game. Uh, I think Madaloyle was talking about how he went from the best he's ever seen him play to the Brendan Aronson that got demolished in the playoffs by the Revolution. And that's part of this process that he's going through right of just growing in a new league growing as a player growing as a person and to see him getting the opportunity to grow to begin with is really awesome because you're seeing him getting to play and he's really good you're getting to see him play when he's really bad and he's at a really good league so him having that opportunity to play is really awesome in a league like that coming from philadelphia we really we're encouraged to see him get the transfer, be a homegrown signing, and make his way to Europe. So I think that is my favorite piece of North Americans abroad movement. Um, we've talked about him a lot. So to see him get playing time in really big games, like we said, a top of the table clash, and scoring and playing in a Europa League game, really good to see him get the opportunity to do so. So that was my favorite um, North American abroad moment coming from Philadelphia. I made a mistake. <laughs> Jonathan David is not top of the league. He's not even goal close. Scoring. No, he's top of. He's tied for the top <laughs> of Lille in goal scoring, with Yaziki, uh, or no, not Yaziki, Yilmaz, um, and I think that's it. Yes, with Yilmaz, 
Uh, so that was a major mistake. He has got half the amount of goals as Lily Gleader, Killian Mbappe. It's pronounced uh, Mbappe. Mbappe? Oh, sorry, Mbappe. Um, <laughs> just like Matthew Hoppapapa. Um, but yes, that was, I don't know how I was that wrong. Uh, but either way, he's top goal scorer on the best club in France. So not a small feat. No, huge. Uh, but is that all of the European talk we want to do before we get into some not as happy news involving a European kind of MLS player? I think we have to go to the bad news now. All right, let's go to the bad news in Jordan Morris tearing his ACL uh, in a Swansea match. He's going to miss the rest of the season and will require surgery to repair it. This is his second ACL uh, tear in the last, what, three, four years, which is just brutal for him. Uh, Really feel for the guy who finally got his move to Europe and wasn't looking terrible um, to have it end like that is pretty unfortunate but what are your guys sort of reaction to Morris going down with the torn ACL and what sort of impact do you think it's going to have on Seattle even though he was going to miss most of the season I mean I think it's just devastating for Morris you know as a, as a human being as a player it it's, sucks that he already had to go through this once a couple years ago and and so I can't imagine having to do it again. You know, we just hope that he can come back because the way he improved after the ACL injury was really impressive. So hopefully he can, you know, continue to play at that level or even improve further once he's back. But just really devastating for him. You know, as far as Seattle goes, I'd like to think that had Morris not injured his ACL, he would then have gotten the move made permanent or made it to another team in England perhaps or somewhere else in Europe. So I don't really know if this you know really ends up affecting Seattle very much. They were always going to have to find a way to still be Seattle without Jordan Morris. So I think that's that's something that they'll have to figure out regardless. Um but like I said, just very disappointed for Morris. Yeah, I not a whole lot to say about it that hasn't already been said, except that it just really freaking sucks. We talked about this guy wanting to play in Europe. And I think when you think about this guy's career, I think a lot of he's kind of lived like everything you could want to live, right? He's from Seattle. He won an MLS cup in Seattle in front of his home city. And that's something that I think everyone dreams of. So he got to do that. But I think a part of his dream was to play in Europe. And the fact that he finally got that opportunity at a club like Swansea City and was looking in primetime opportunity to get them help them earn promotion to the Premier League and play in the best league in the world was really encouraging. It was such a good start and such a good story around him that he finally got to make the move and to have this happen again just sucks. And we talked about a little on the episode about this putting him kind of behind the eight ball as far as making the roster for 2022. I don't think that is totally knocks that out. But I think you get it safe to say this kind of puts him behind the eight ball a little bit as far as missing however much he misses with surgery. That's obviously putting a damper on that and extending his time out a little bit. So that just sucks from a pure everything about it. Um, it's not good. We 
really happy about him. I think he was in Seattle today. I saw a tweet Seattle posted that he was like back in training. And I think one of his dad is like one of the doctors at the Sounders or something like that. So it's good that he's back home with family, getting to see some of his old teammates. I think it was a picture of like him and Nico Ladero, like just hanging out. So that was nice. It's a bad situation, but we'll see what happens. Connor, what do you think about it from kind of not really the outside looking in, but obviously an MLS product going down like that is never good news. But what do you th- think about Morris tearing his ACL and missing a lot of Swansea City? Well, first of all, Canadians are as much a part of MLS as Americans, so we're not from the outside looking in. Um, yeah, just look but... at the soccer ball this year. It's got Maple Leaf on it. It's the most Canadian. It's the most Canadian okay. MLS ball that they've, we've had in a couple of years. I need to look at that ball. That is true. Um, I guess. <laughs> but, okay, I just sidetracked this completely. <laughs> um, <laughs> so yeah, I just think it's really brutal for Morris who. He had his opportunity in Europe, as I said, and he was doing pretty well. Um, so it sucks to see. It sucks for him. It's going to be a tough road back in terms of trying to get back onto the national team. Uh, but I think of all people to do it, it could be him. Uh, so yeah, hopefully he knows what to do, considering this is the second time coming back from an ACL injury. Sure. Wait. Now. Drew, was your facial expression because you saw the ball for the first time? Yes, I looked at yeah, it, it and sucks. I was like, you don't like it? It's weird. I don't think it's very good. I very much. It's not as good as the old MLS. I, first off, just random side note, I like the old MLS branding better than the new stuff anyway. But it's not that it's not as good as the old ball, but I don't mind it. The maple leaf kind of looks hidden. So it's not really Canadian. It's right under this Doesn't massive, that sum up MLS? <laughs> it's this underneath this massive star and stripe for the American flag. So I wonder if the not really Canadian. What if the Maple Leafs like on the ball take up like three twenty sevenths, or I guess a ninth, a ninth of the surface area of the ball, just like can it can yeah, only really takes up genius. a ninth of the league. Oh, okay. Well just ignore the fact that one of the wealthiest clubs in MLS genius. is a Canadian club. But uh, I digress. Speaking whoa, of Canadian, whoa, what does that have to do? With? Speaking of Canadian, <laughs> so one twenty seventh of the ball can be really nice, and the other two twenty sevenths of the ball can be really yeah, bad. But they make up the same maple leaf. So one end of the maple leaf can be great, representing Toronto. The other end can be really bad, representing Vancouver. And Montreal can just kind of be somewhere in the Montreal middle. can just be a foot instead. Um, <laughs> speaking of Canada and speaking of Toronto FC, uh, according to Christian Jack, this was announced as we were talking, uh, according to him, the Canadian championship between TFC and forge, which is a CPL team will take place March 20th at BMO field forge. Haven't trained yet as a team because they are not allowed to, uh, and they will only have like potentially seven to eight training sessions together before the match. Meanwhile, TFC have been back training as a team since February 18th. So we can probably see where this match is going now moving on because neither of you give any craps about that. What? No, no, no. I got money on forge, man. I've been, I've been talking a big game about forge over the last couple episodes and how they're totally going to win this game. My roommate has a Pacific FC hoodie and scarf. What? I don't because we made um I, I technically I forgot what CPL team I technically support because we get a lot of CPL games in our apartment. It's really weird, but we do. 
So we we watch a lot of CPL. I don't, I don't even know what get team CPL. I support. We literally drew names out of a hat. <laughs> so you got to come down to Athens, Georgia, the CPL hub of the world, to watch games. With us. But if this was a video podcast, he he's like asleep in the room beside me. He has like Pacific FC stuff. Go, so we go wake him up and CPL. make him show us. I'm kidding. <laughs> don't do that to him. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get into the U.S. national team because we've been going for almost half an hour uh, and we have so much to get to. Who wants to talk about the U.S.? Because I don't. Well, I, I mean, obviously Drew and I will. Um, so on the, men's, on the men's side of the U.S. Uh, soccer federation, whatever you want to say, uh, the preliminary Olympic qualifying rosters were released uh, about a week and a half, two weeks ago. It's now been trimmed down uh, to about 32 players to go to camp in Mexico before qualifying takes place in the next couple weeks, actually. That's coming up really fast. Uh, But of the 32 players, 31 were MLS. This was expected. It was always going to be MLS heavy because um, clubs are not required to release their players for youth tournaments, which is technically what this is since it's a U23 tournament. And so it's very domestic heavy since MLS is not in season. There is one international player. That's Johnny, who we talked about earlier, who plays for Internacional in Brazil. He is expected to join them in camp at some point. But probably the biggest news out of this, as Drew, you've probably seen, Atlanta is not releasing their three players that were put on the list. That's Brooks Lennon, Miles Robinson, George Bellow. Probably the biggest hit of that is Miles Robinson, Jason Kreiss, who is the head coach of the U23 squad, he specifically mentioned Robinson as a, as a big disappointment for not having him. So, Drew, at least from an Atlanta perspective, what is what are your feelings on the club holding these players out from taking like taking part in this qualifying? Yeah, it's a weird one because I think the reason that at least the reason I saw reported. Um, and also Brooks Lennon. What the heck? I did not expect that at all. But that's really exciting. Happy to see that. I think Bello and Robinson were kind of two for sure. But shout out Brooks Lennon. That's awesome. Um, the reason that I saw, I think Felipe Cardenas reported it, was it has to do with quarantine. Like they would come back and they wouldn't be able to be with the team in time for their first champion, Atlanta's first Champions League game, April 6th, I want to say, against Adelohense. Um, so that was, I think, the reasoning that they want to keep these guys for Gabriel Heinze's first competitive game against a Champions League team. And CONCACAF's always weird, so you throw in a new manager with that. It's bound to be a crapshoot, so you want to have your players there. So I get that. But also, it's hard to say from a pure Atlanta perspective because I think part of how I want LA United to be represented is I want to see Miles and George Bellow performing well for the national team at whatever level that is as they get ready for Olympics. So I, I, man, this is hard. This is a hard one because I want to see these guys. I want Atlanta to be in the best possible situation to win that champions league game. And miles and bellow, especially bell. I thought he was one of the best players on the team last year in a really terrible year. George Bell's development was probably one of the only few things I could take away from that. That was positive in miles Robinson 2019 I think was his like breakout year he was like runner up for defender of the year I think so we obviously know how good he is Brooks Lennon again that just kind of came out of nowhere to me um yeah I'm excited that Heinz is going to get these guys and he's going to they're going to be with the team as his roster overhaul is just insane but I think I 
Specifically, we'll talk more about the show. Given Atlanta's center back situation, I'm really glad Miles Robinson is not leaving because he's the one consistent. Him and George Beller are the one consistent on that back line, and maybe Brooks Lennon if he plays that right back role. So now that I say that, I'm I think I'm kind of not that mad that they're leaving just because if they left, I have we would lose like six to five or something like that. So I'm not too upset now that I think about it because I don't know what the heck Atlanta would do because I don't know what the heck Atlanta is going to do, and they're still playing with Atlanta United. So I'm not that upset about it. Josh, how do you feel about it? Yeah, I mean, you bring up some good points, and it's just sort of it's just such an intriguing situation. I think Atlanta as a club still kind of harbors some disappointment with the, the, the U.S. Uh, because of Miles Robinson's injury a couple years ago before that ill-fated Eastern Conference final. We don't talk about that game on this podcast. Canadian club. I don't know who it was, but <laughs> I think it's Montreal. Um, man, one Joseph Martinez injury away from going back to MLS. Anyway, I'm not going to get into. It. Um, so, so I, I do think they kind of harbor a little bit of ill will towards the the U.S. national team because of that. But also, I mean, I I, I don't blame the club for wanting to keep the players to de- to learn under Heinze because this training camp is super important right now and there's just not a lot of time before CCL gets underway. But another really interesting aspect of this and I didn't really realize it until I saw someone else point it out, but these youth tournaments used to be a really, really good way for MLS players to get scouted internationally. But with so many young MLS players going overseas in the last year or two, there's now a decent amount of scouting networks set set up from other clubs around the world in MLS. And so players like Miles Robinson and George Bello, who are definitely have the potential to make that jump, you know, it's not as big a deal for them to not be in this in this qualifying tournament. So I think that's a really interesting aspect of it. I'm also really interested to see if they end up making the final roster in the summer for the Olympics, should they happen. Uh, because... Christ really made it seem like he wanted them for that final roster, at least for this final qualifying roster, which I felt like he was lying. So that was also another interesting thing. But anyway, uh, I do want to correct myself. I said 31 of the 32 players are MLS players. That is not true. It's 29 of the 32. Sebastian Saucedo plays in Liga MX and Sebastian Soto plays for the Norwich City U23s over in England. So Johnny's not the only international player, but definitely... Clearly, still very MLS heavy. Moving on uh, to some more U.S. soccer stuff. The women's national team, they won the She Believes Cup last week. They beat Brazil 2-0, uh, this, not this past Sunday, but Sunday before, so about a week and a half ago. And then about a week ago, they beat Argentina 6-0. So definitely worth mentioning that they won the She Believes Cup. I'm, I'm assuming, again, I wasn't really paying too much attention to last year's She Believes Cup, but... I'm just going to go ahead and assume that they've won every single iteration of the cup because, yes. It was the first time they ever went back-to-back on it. Oh, okay. First of many times, probably. They'll probably never lose the She Believes Cup again. I, I saw their... They'll never <laughs> lose again. I saw their, like, like games, like, the last time they lost the game, and it's been, like, two years now, three years now. That's just... That's just ridiculous, man. Just straight-up ridiculous. But I assume the rest of the world will catch up at some point. But anyway, now getting into... MLS news and what was arguably the greatest Friday night news dump of all time. (laughs) Sacramento in their MLS expansion bid, they had to drop out. They were supposed to join in 2023. They could still 
come back as an expansion bid, but they didn't sign the proper paperwork in time. They don't have the same funding as they originally did because of the pandemic. So things are really up in the air. But Connor, what are some of your thoughts on Sacramento having to drop out? Maybe some extra information for us. I don't think they necessarily... Well, they did have to drop out, but mostly because their main guy with the money backed out. You said due to COVID financial situation, he just couldn't do it anymore. Um, and because they hadn't signed any of the documents yet and submitted them, which they hadn't didn't have to do, they were in an okay position. It wasn't really that big of an issue. Um, but it's a huge blow to MLS, losing an expansion club. I think Sacramento is an interesting city to potentially look at for one. Uh, but again, maybe they bring it back. Like, I don't think we can rule it out. They're going to come back in, or they were going to join in two years. That could be enough time to find a new owner slash majority owner. I wouldn't rule it out completely. It's very unlikely, but I wouldn't rule it out completely. Uh, and I think that's my big takeaway from this. Not that they're having to back out and the COVID financial situation is tough, but that it's still possible that they can have a team. It's just going to take a whole lot of work from the minority owners and the group that need to find somebody who's willing to fork over the big money. Drew, what do you think about the whole Sacramento situation? I think it's very MLSE first off because it was Friday night, I think about 10 PM here on the East coast. And then I think, Josh just sent a Slack, like, Sacramento, what? And I was like, what are you talking? I honestly forgot they were an expansion team because I feel so far down the road. And you have Charlotte, Austin, St. Louis. Um, I am interested. I don't know if you guys have seen any reports about this, but Sacramento was also in talks for NWSL expansion. I don't know where that's going. Meg Linehan is, like, my go-to for that. I haven't seen anything about that. Um, but, yeah, it's – I don't even know what to think about it. It's frustrating. Um I think I can imagine being a Sacramento fan at this point. Like, could you imagine we're both, our franchises are both pretty young. Could you imagine having this promise of MLS coming to your city? You've spent years going to Atlanta Silverbacks games, and now you're finally ready for the big time. And it just doesn't happen because of pandemic. I can't even imagine what that would be like. It's, it's almost like losing the Thrashers. That's almost what it's like. So I can't even imagine what, from a fan perspective, what that's going through. But I don't have a whole lot of takes on it because... I mean, the guy with the money backed out, there's not a whole lot you can do. Yeah, I mean, you could have a, that could spark the debate of that. It costs way too much to get an MLS, MLS team in the first place. Um, I think that's a debate that's been going on for years now. I don't know what the number is right now, but that's definitely a source of controversy. But yeah, I mean, there's not a whole lot to say about it. Um, it's Again, it's brought up the conversation of it costs a lot of money to have a team in this league. And when a pandemic happens, that... Your wallet hurts a little bit. If it hurts, how much it hurts, I guess, depends on who you are, how much money you make. But it sucks. Um, hopefully, again, like Josh said, they could still come back at some point. I have no idea how that works, what the precedence or the protocol is for a team backing out. And if they want to come back in, I have no idea what that's like. Um, but yeah, I'm, I don't know what the heck to say because I don't really, I've never experienced this before, but Josh, what are your thoughts about it? And do you think MLS is going to be in a hurry to kind of fill that void? Are they going to go to another city to possibly get an expansion side? Or what are your thoughts about Sacramento 
dropping out in MLS right now. So this is probably my the most curious aspect to me is is like who's next, you know? Cuz I obviously like you say we you know we don't know if Sacramento's going to be able to come back and find the funding. It's entirely possible that they do. But if not, you know, who who then is the next city that's a favorite? You know, Las Vegas and Detroit were kind of in the running um, before it was awarded to Sacramento. And honestly, I'm not really sure if MLS was – I mean, they said they weren't really trying that hard to push past 30 teams, and Sacramento was that 30th team. So I'm really interested to see what direction they go, if they're going to try to find somewhere else or – you know, maybe a city that we like that isn't even on our radar right now is going to pop in there and, and, and maybe steal that 30th expansion slot. So that's probably the most interesting aspect to me. I'm, I'm obviously disappointed. I think I wasn't necessarily excited about Sacramento. I mean, I can come up with some reasons to be excited about Charlotte and St. Louis, honestly. Um, and personally, I felt like having a fifth team in California might have been pushing a little too much, but like you said, I mean, there's interest for an NWSL team as well, and I, I think that's operating separately from the MLS side of things. So that could still very well happen. But, yeah, I'm just more interested in what's next for MLS because 2023 is kind of a ways away, but if you're an expansion team trying to get ready for 2023, then you're, like, just now getting into the nitty-gritty of it, right? You're starting to figure out who are we hiring in the front office what direction do we want to go with in terms of building a staff and a team? Because obviously, ideally, you want to have a lot of the behind-the-scenes work done before next year and then spend a year running up to the season building the squad, staff, and all that stuff. Because St. Louis already has a general manager. Charlotte already has a general manager. And both those clubs already have crests. And I expect we'll hear some head coaching news from them very soon because they'll be joining the league in a year. So, yeah, just really interested to see and, and how fast MLS maybe decides to figure out what their 30th expansion team is because it would be kind of annoying to have an odd number. I'm already not looking forward to having an odd-numbered amount of teams in the league this year. So I doubt MLS would want to do that for very long. But moving on into some other MLS news, getting into some transfers and signings, and this is a lot. Well, sort of a lot. This is going to cover about the last week and a half since we didn't record an episode last week. But Inter-Miami made a couple of moves. So we're going to talk about that first. Uh, They signed Stoke City Captain Ryan Shawcross, uh, center back. Most likely a depth signing, but we'll probably get a a few starts here and there. But they also signed a Brazilian defensive midfielder, Gregor. And fun fact, he was originally wanted by Seattle before Seattle settled on Jao Paulo last season. So I thought that was very interesting. But, uh, Connor, let's start with you. What are your thoughts on these signings from Inter-Miami? Do you like the direction that... Oh, man, what's the manager's name? I'm blanking hard right now. I almost said Gareth Southgate. Please help me out. (laughs) It's not Gareth Southgate. Um. No, it's not. I can't remember his name right now. What is it? Phil Neville? Thank you. Oh, my gosh. I don't know why I couldn't remember his name. Uh, anyway, yeah, so, Connor, based on these uh, last couple signings, and I'm not sure how many more players Inter-Miami is really going to go after. Um, and, of course, now they're in, in preseason training camp. But what what are your thoughts on the direction that Phil Neville is going? What do you think about these two signings? Well, I forgot Phil Neville was their manager, first of all. So that's always a good start. Um, 
it's another old player, which is continuing on to that great start for Inter Miami. Uh, now they've got an old striker, an old midfielder, and an old defender, uh, which is just an ideal situation uh, when you think about what MLS is becoming. But I don't hate it. I think having veteran leadership in your back line is always important. I have no idea who this Gregor guy is, but the fact that Seattle wanted him and he's now with Inter Miami could be a good thing, maybe, or the fact that they passed on him is not a good thing. Uh, frankly, I just don't know enough about Gregor to really formulate any sort of opinion on him. In terms of Shawcross, he's got experience. He he's played for some very very good clubs, um, so maybe it works. But he's an old player, and old players, some of them have worked out, but a lot of them have been flops. And especially defenders, I'm a little worried in terms of how this will work out for Inter Miami, especially given the fact that they're not only linked to. Ryan Shawcross, but also I believe Karen Gibbs has been rumored at points as well. Um, so clearly David Beckham is going the old European route from his time in MLS, which might end up biting him in the long run based on the fact that that's not the direction MLS is going. But Drew, what do you think about the Inter-Miami signings? Yeah, I think with Shawcross... Um, not a whole lot to say about that. I read something in the Sun Centennial um, not too long ago. Just I think the main thing they're focusing on with this signing is that he's old. He's a leader. Like Connor said, he's played at good clubs. I think he played at Stoke City for like 15 years. So he's a veteran leader that's center back. He's 33, I think is what the article said. So that's good. How much playing time does he get? I have no idea. But he's going to provide that veteran leadership that every club needs, um, especially Miami, as they're still pretty young. So not a whole lot to say about that. I did see, though, Phil Neville said he used similar tactics to what Phil Neville used when he was on the England women's national team, where he came from before Miami. So that's interesting. We'll see where that goes. As far as Greg Gore goes, the, my, the extent of my knowledge of this guy goes to Alex Winley's article on the website. So highly encourage you guys to go to MLSMultiplex.com and check out Alex's article about it. But she talks about how he's going to provide this defensive bite, I think is how she uses it, in the midfield because you have uh, Blaise Matuidi, who apparently just doesn't try, as we saw in that video. He just doesn't run back, so that's awesome. A World Cup winner, he just doesn't try. And Rodolfo Pizarro, who doesn't really go back, doesn't play defense. So he's going to provide that defensive bite, a solid midfield trio. Um, I have no idea what formation Phil Neville is going to use if – it's going to be a 4-3-3, and then they're going to play, and he's going to be that defensive pivot, or if him and uh, Blaise Matuidi are going to be like in a 4-2-3-1, they'll be that double pivot. I don't know. But maybe he'll provide more of a defensive perspective in the midfield because they need it, because you have a really attacking-minded midfielder in Bizarro, and then Blaise Matuidi doesn't try. So I don't mind it. Um, again, Miami, we'll see what happens. Uh, Josh, is there anything about these two signings that sticks out to you a lot? I, you know, I'm not a huge fan of the Shawcross signing. Uh, I, it's not that his age bothers me that much. It's just sort of the whole, you know, him coming from Europe. We, we haven't seen tons of successful European players in MLS yet, and especially in this current era of MLS where it's really South American dominant, but also it's really domestically dominant. 
you know, when I think of Shawcross assigning, my mind immediately goes to Michael Parkhurst, and he he did you know bring a lot of value to Atlanta in the first couple of years, and so maybe Shawcross has that sort of effect, you know, leadership, locker room presence, um, but also sort of depth, which is what Parkhurst became by the time he retired. As for Gregor, I actually really love the signing for the exact reason that Drew was talking about. Matuidi, I don't know if it's an effort issue or a legs issue, an age issue, but it seems like Gregor can kind of clean up some of those messes, really like bear down in, in the pit of midfield and clean up other people's messes. So I think that's a really great signing for Miami, and I do expect it to improve their midfield I think that roster has lots of other issues. Uh, they did also bring back Federico Higuain, which is Gonzalo's older brother. He's getting up there in age, and he did not play much last year, and he missed this prior season from, I believe, an ACL injury. So I, I was kind of questioning why they would bring him back, and that takes up a roster spot, and, you know, why don't you use that for someone else? But whatever, you know, I am definitely excited to see Miami. Maybe not because I expect them to be good, but just because I'm really intrigued by how they're going to be. But moving on to Atlanta United, they've made a few moves um, in the the last week or so. The biggest one was signing midfielder Franco Ibarra. Um, In case you don't remember, Santiago Sosa was also announced, and that was before our last episode. But this is now two young midfielders that have been added to the Atlanta roster, and this is after they got rid of Eric Rometty, and they've still been struggling without Darlington Nagby after he went to Columbus. Um, But it's likely that Ibarra will also be a U-22 signing. That is not confirmed, but it seems like it will lean that direction and on top of that, um, a little bit of a saga, I guess we'll say. Uh, Lanza was heavily reported to be signing a deal with center back Lautaro Gianetti, who captained Gabriel Heinze's Velez Sarsfield side down in Argentina. 27 year old center back. They had agreed to a five year deal, and I believe a transfer fee of $3.8 million. But Giannetti got to Atlanta and did his physical and did not pass his physical. And apparently it had to do with an ACL injury he suffered a couple years ago, which also really interesting to me because I feel like with the way ACL injuries and surgeries have progressed, you kind of wonder, you know, what the heck went wrong with him and, and why isn't his ACL fully healed or why didn't he pass the, the physical? So now Atlanta is still looking for a center back. Uh, Drew, as the other person living in the Atlanta area, and obviously we both follow Atlanta United pretty heavily. Uh, first, quick thoughts on Ibarra signing, but then also, where are you at in terms of the Gianetti deal falling through and Atlanta needing a center back? Yeah, I'll start with Ibarra, our, our next resident young money signing. Um, I, I'm excited about it because I, again, I don't know this guy very well, but I read an article on Dirty South Soccer from Tito Football, I think is the author's name. And he was just comparing Abara and Sosa. Um, and I think there's a lot of hype around Santiago Sosa, which understandably, really good player, a lot of exciting highlights. But he was talking about how Abara is, maybe he's not getting the hype he deserves. He was, talking, he was really hyping up Abara. Um, I think he was talking specifically about his ability to play a long ball, playing a big, long aerial pass. Um, which with the speed of Atlanta, with Joseph Healthy, Barco, and Dam, 
that that might be very useful getting a ball from the defensive half to your speedy front three up there. So that's exciting. I'm excited about that. Excited to see just this Elaine United roster because it's gone through a lot of overhaul lately. It feels like every day there's a new transfer that we're following. Um, so excited about that. Um, as far as the Giannetti thing goes, I'm just so tired because it feels like with so Michael Parker, this whole center back saga is Michael Parker's legend retired MLS Cup champ. Then Miles Robinson came. It was Miles and Leandro Gonzalez Perez, who's obviously now into Miami. And that just kind of left a hole in the club signed Fernando Meza, which he is loaned out somewhere. I think we talked about that on last episode. He was loaned out to Defensa y Justicia. Yes. So that happened. So when he was loaned out, um, I think we were talking about what does that do for Atlanta center back situation? And Josh mentioned Giannetti that at the time we were pretty confident about it. It looked pretty solid. And then as I feel like a lot of transfers do in transfer season, it just fell through with a physical, like Josh said. So I really don't know. I think that's the biggest question about Elaine right now is who's going to play alongside Miles Robinson in that center back role. Like I mentioned earlier, when we were talking Olympic roster being released. I have no idea what Elena United is going to do. I don't know if Elena United knows what Elena United is going to do. Um, I imagine they're still out there scouting. I got really excited today, Josh, when Darren Eels tweeted that picture of Big Ben. Um, I was excited. I was like, I don't know anyone named Ben that could be a center back. I don't know, but I'm all for it. And it was a goalkeeper from Elaine United, too, <laughs> bumping up. So congrats to Ben for making his way up to the first team. That's not what I wanted. That's not what I expected. Kind of a bummer. But this has just been a whole saga with Elaine United. Um, because I want to say Hector Martinez, which also was defensive. I think that was another piece in this center back puzzle that fell through. So that fell through. Ginetti, we thought, no way this has fallen through. Doesn't happen twice. It happened twice. So not looking too great about that. Um, yeah, major bummer. But we will see where Elaine United goes from here because it looks like looks like they're still on the transfer search for center back. Yeah, they, they've clearly got it in the budget that they want a center back, so I don't doubt that they'll make a move for one. It would be great to have that drama in Toronto, but we have nothing but air silence. Um, in terms of the signings, Abara, you're taking advantage of the U22 initiative, and I think it's amazing. Uh, the Young yes, Money the, Initiative. Yeah, hey, by the way, Carlos Bocanegra called it that in his press conference with the That media. is the official title for this podcast. So props to Paul Tenorio and Sam Stage School for making that a thing. All right, well, we'll call it the Young Money Initiative from now on then. Uh, so I think you're using the Young Money. That should be the title of this podcast episode. There you go. Using Young Money is a big plus uh, for you guys. The GNA thing, it's interesting. I wonder if this p- at all played a part in... Atlanta not releasing any of your players, uh, if that may have been a factor in some way. But yeah, it's tough to have somebody fail a physical and ACLs are tricky, tricky injuries. So it may not have even been that serious. It could have been just he's been playing with a partially torn ACL, which you can do. A friend of mine, when I was playing rugby, uh, tore his ACL like literally 1% but he was fine. It doesn't require surgery or anything like that. So I wonder if it was something along the lines of he's got 10% of his ACL torn or something like that. And Atlanta don't want to risk it, but we don't know. It's not our place to guess, even though I kind of just did. Um, But 
again, either way, Atlanta bringing in players, they're going to be a fun team this year. They're going to be a young team this year. They're going to be energetic. And I'm both excited and terrified to watch them. Uh, moving on to your arch rivals in Orlando City. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, who signed winger Sylvester Vanderwater? Who is this guy? He, you know, he's, he's just a winger. You know, he's just another winger for Orlando City. Some depth. You know, we talked about Alexandre Pato last episode and bringing him in with Daryl DK being gone, and it's looking more and more like DK is not coming back at this point at the rate he's scoring. So another another nice depth attacking signing for Orlando City who. Didn't have to make a ton of, you know, roster moves because they did a lot for Pereja before this season. I would say that, you know, anything, anybody Pereja's bringing in now is just bolstering an already solid uh, core that Orlando City have now. But now the other Orlando City signing news, which is um, terrible to to put in the, in the slightest, uh, they signed a new center back, Jonathan Suarez, um, however, Suarez was arrested for rape last week and immediately suspended by MLS. And then a couple days later had his contract terminated by Orlando city. So Atlanta, like we just said, they'll be looking for a center back. And now it looks like Orlando city may be looking for another center back as well. Since the center back they signed, uh, did a, an absolutely horrible thing and will now pay the price by going to jail for a long time. So just Definitely not news you normally see associated with MLS. I feel like the league, for the most part, does a good job with its players of of not doing anything um, illegal. So really, really unfortunate news for Orlando City, but definitely going to affect whatever roster building they're trying to accomplish right now or whatever additions they're trying to make. Moving on to some more positive transfer news, though. FC Cincinnati and DC United have reportedly agreed to trade terms for Lucho Acosta. We covered this uh, a couple episodes ago just to to get you listeners back up to speed. DC United still have Lucho Acosta's MLS rights. He is currently playing in Liga MX, and FC Cincinnati want to bring in Lucho Acosta. They've also been reported to bring in PT Martinez, uh, but it seems like they've settled on Acosta. But in order to bring Acosta back into MLS, they'd have to get his rights from DC United. And so now it seems like Cincinnati has his rights. They're just waiting on negotiations with Atlas, which is the Liga MX club that Acosta plays for. Did you guys, this is my only thing I have to say about it, but did you guys see Atlas's tweet today? No. They specifically went out of their way to say our number 10 preparing for Saturday and it's pictures of Lucha Acosta. So, you know, FC Cincinnati fans are like, hold on a second. Who's number 10? So I thought that was really funny. Um, Laurel Fowler, I apologize. She writes for, uh, she covers FC Cincinnati. She's awesome. She's the best, but she tweeted about it. So Atlas throwing some shade with MLS teams. I can appreciate it. That's my only take on that whole saga. Except for the fact that it is a saga, and I'm ready for it to be over as soon as possible. Yeah, Cincinnati, ever since they signed Brenner, and then they made the news with PT, now Acosta, and they you know, were reportedly trying to get Papu Gomez. Like They are all about trying to find that like number 10 attacking midfielder. I love the pettiness from Atlas, by the way. I love when clubs, especially their social media, get like really involved with that. Side note, FC Dallas, have you seen their Twitter bio recently? 
They, I have not, but they, I have a list of uh, teams on my Twitter list of best sports teams to follow on social media. Dallas and Nashville are my two MLS teams. So I really enjoy Dallas's social media feed. I have not seen their bio though. I'm looking at it right now though. Yeah, Dallas is all, they're all about the memes in like the best way, but they, their bio is, is just this, it's like one sentence and it says, our academy is better than yours. <laughs> That's, it does. That's like it. I, I love the flex. I love the flex on Twitter because, you know. You know what I don't love about FC Dallas? These new jerseys. Oh, come on. I like them. It's different. They're better than Atlanta United's. By the way, side note, we don't talk about jerseys on this episode. The Whitecaps new kit is phenomenal. It's it's good. Uh, so uh, just a little self-plug here. No shame whatsoever. I like to grade the MLS kits every year. I've done the last two years, and I'm currently working through this year's version but I do plan on giving Dallas a pretty high grade because it's not a white or black kit for starters, so they're already a leg up on most teams. It looks like chocolate chip ice cream. Are we looking at the same kit? It's like kind of bluish, right? Yes, it's kind of bluish, and there's like some weird specks around it. What what chocolate chip ice like cream are you a, eating that's blue? I was going to say. Maybe it's blueberry chocolate chip ice cream. What? That's, what that's not a thing. <laughs> there's no way well, that's Well, it thing. is, and Dallas put it on their jerseys. <laughs> Dallas. Don't you mean Vancouver? No, he's not. Vancouver's are phenomenal. Vancouver's still There's rocking. Weird I'm so lost, but uh, not surprising. Um, I don't know. Kits this year have been pretty boring, if we're being completely honest. Uh, if we're going to get into that discussion. There have been a few bangers. There have been a few bangers. We, yeah, we don't really have to get into that right now. But but anyway, so back to Cincinnati and D.C. United. Like I said, Cincinnati, it looks like they, they've got Acosta's rights. They've just got to negotiate with Atlas. And so far... That Twitter post is of any significance. It might get a little messy or a little drawn out, so that'd be something to keep an eye on. Uh, but the last biggest, most recent transfer signings news that's happened: um, Austin FC announced the signing on loan of Sebastian Berhalter. This is Greg Berhalter's son, and this is from Columbus. Berhalter came through their academy. Go figure. His dad was coach there. Um, so obviously they were living in the area. Uh, but anyway, he made a couple starts and appearances for Columbus last year, especially in MLS's back due to injury and squad rotation. Um, and his, I assume they're friends because I think they're the same age, but Aiden Morris obviously made big news for starting the MLS Cup final and dominating Seattle's midfield like everyone expected. So Burhalter is now going on loan with Austin FC Real quick, the, the nice little connection here is that Josh Wolf is Austin FC's head coach. Wolf was an assistant for Burhalter with the U.S. national team before taking the Austin position. So the biggest and most interesting aspect of this, though, is it's a loan with the option to trade, which is essentially an option to buy. It's just MLS and their stupid single entity, whatever nonsense that they are, means it's really a trade instead of buying. But Connor, I wanted to get your take on this. And before we get Drews, obviously, but starting with you first, what do you think of this kind of move? This is something that rarely happens in MLS, and this, I believe, is the first time that buy option has ever been attached to a loan move like this. I like it, and it should happen more often. We never see players loaned in MLS you know, between two clubs, and I think it would be so beneficial for a club like, I know I'm going to bring this back to Toronto, but like Toronto two or three years ago, imagine if they were able to send Liam Fraser out on loan. And he was able to get big MLS minutes. You know that could have been huge for his development. Uh, and I like I think it would be big for a lot of clubs if Vancouver could have sent Michael Baldissimo out on loan to like Montreal. Uh, 
and allowed him to get more starting minutes. Actually, Montreal is probably a bad decision because all they have are central midfielders. Um, so maybe it would have to be an American team. But my point still stands. If you can send out a young player to a team in need for a position that they fill, why not do it? Like, I think it would just be too perfect. And while, yes, you're helping your competition that year, it could help you even more in the long term. And who says it has to be long-term loans? You could do for the first half of the season sort of thing. So I love it. I think more teams need to do this. I think more teams need to take advantage of this because I did, honestly didn't even know this was a thing. When was the last player who was loaned between two MLS clubs? I, I was reading, I think, on The Athletic, so we know the, the reporting is accurate, but I do believe there's a rule that MLS teams can't loan out players older than 25 or older than 24, which I think is why this is sort of a rare thing. But regardless, the fact that teams are not putting out their younger players, like you said, is kind of strange. And I mean, you see it all the time around the world. I wonder if it has to do with MLS's parity, maybe, because, you know, it's not a big deal for a team like Manchester City to loan out a young kid to, you know, a team like, uh, who's terrible right now, Fulham, you know, it's not really a big deal in England, but there's always going to be those teams at the top, whereas MLS, it changes frequently. So I wonder if that has something to do with it. But Drew, what are your thoughts on this kind of loan deal? Um, I know, like Connor said, in a Toronto example is Liam Frazier. There was always talk of Andrew Carlton going out on loan to another team in MLS. Obviously, he didn't pan out, which is fine with me, but <laughs> he was he's the example that jumped to my mind in terms of Atlanta. But what are your thoughts on this kind of move, and, and, and what, what do you think about it? Yeah, I think I'm on the same page with Connor. It's interesting. I like it. I think it should happen more. I think you bring up a really good point with MLS's parity. We love saying that word when it comes to this league, so maybe that has an effect on it. But yeah, I mean, I think he... I just had this story open. I totally closed it out. I don't know why. But he didn't He didn't make a whole lot of appearances with Columbus. I think last year was his first season with the crew, and he didn't break into the team very much because the team's pretty good, as we saw when MLS Cup... And I, I mean, you look at the players ahead of him, like I don't, there's not really a lot of time for him to break into the side. So for him to have a team where he can get some minutes um, is always a good thing for him and his development. Um, personally, I think Columbus doesn't really need to worry about Austin FC because I think Columbus is looking to win back to back and I don't know where Austin FC is in that trajectory. So I think Columbus is going to do just fine. Um, I'm a big fan of it. Yeah, like you guys both said, it doesn't happen a whole lot. So to see it finally happen is really good. And yeah, he gets a lot of minutes for a side where we really don't know what to expect of him. I don't think they'll be as good as the crew because the crew just got even better, I feel like. But yeah, I'm excited about it. I want to see him get more and more minutes. Um, and that's really awesome to see that. And obviously, like you mentioned, the Greg Burhalter connection is really cool to see. Um, but what maybe wasn't so cool to see for us at the podcast, uh, Thierry Henry resigned as manager from the Montreal Impact. I refuse to acknowledge the new brand, but I don't no, know. Connor, give us the name. The Foot. We're just going <laughs> to call him The Foot from now on. <laughs> Thierry Henry resigned from The Foot. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, he resigned from club de foot montreal aka the foot aka the montreal impact um he cited family reasons um and he talked about he wasn't able to see his children for a whole year which i think we talked about 
when MLS is back first started, we talked about how hard it was going to be for Canadian teams, Canadian players, Canadian managers. And this is just an example of that being so hard. He had to leave his family in Montreal and play coach a team in Orlando for a very long time. And then I don't think they ever played in Canada again. So there's a lot of, I don't even think they were in Canada. Um, I think they were probably in Europe. I think they stayed in England. Yeah. I think they were his in family England stayed in England, mm-hmm. which I mean, still like you still didn't get to mm-hmm. see them, but they were just across the pond instead of across the border. But I guess the whole problem didn't change. You couldn't see his family for a whole year as he coached MLS. So I think, I mean, I think we, we all like him. He's a legend. We want to see him succeed in MLS, but it's really hard to be mad at him about this because it's really, I think as fans, sometimes we forget that these people are people, coaches are people, players are people, they have families. Um, so not really too, not mad about it. Disappointed that this is a situation that he's in, but very understanding about it. Um, Connor, you, we talked a lot about Canadian teams going through a really tough season with MLS's back and not being able to play in Canada, not being able to see family. So what do you think about Thierry Henry uh, resigning as manager from the foot? I more than understand it. You know, Greg Vanny left for the same sort of reason. Um, I didn't know that his family, like he wasn't able to see his family for a full year. And frankly, he shouldn't have to do that. Like that shouldn't be a thing. You should be able to see his kids. And the reason I think they were in Europe is because he'd come back. They came back to Canada a few times in order to see family and stuff during the, when the regular season resumed. Um, but I understand it. I hope he gets the job uh, at Bournemouth, which we talked a bit about in terms of him being linked to. I hope he gets it over the summer and he can show that he's still a good manager or show that he is a good manager, even though he wasn't the best with Montreal. Although that team wasn't the best either. Um, I don't know. Like I understand it. I think is the bottom line is I don't think anyone's going to criticize him for doing that. And frankly, he shouldn't be criticized. But Josh, what do you think about Henri resigning? And what kind of impact do you think this is going to have on Montreal this season? Good pun. <laughs> yeah, brilliant. I actually did not realize you were doing that until Drew said something. But Fun fact, um, I didn't either. Wow, that's a hey, subconscious man. It's always <laughs> going to be connected with it. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously, I'm like, I'm really, really disappointed because I wanted to see what Henri would do in a more regular kind of MLS season with just how absurd last year was for everybody. Um, and so I wanted to see what he was going to do with more input on the team. And, you know, he'd already been coaching for a year there. And so we knew he was going to have more of an imprint on what we were seeing on the, on the pitch. So... For that, I am extremely disappointed. You know, as both of you have said, I am not at all upset in the slightest in terms of you know why. Uh, like you said, the fact that he had to go this long without seeing his family is just you know totally not fair um, at all for him. And so, definitely support him going to spend some time with his family. So, yeah, you know, I just I wish he was in MLS. You know, and and it's. One of my favorite things from him being in Montreal was probably that clip of him yelling on the sideline. It kind of went viral for a little bit. So like watching him be so animated and passionate um, about what was going on on the field and with his players is just always fun to see, and especially from one of the best to ever play the game. So, yeah, just 
just disappointed. Now, as for Montreal going forward, I mean, holy crap, they got to find a coach. I mean, they're in preseason right now, you know, and and they did add Lanon Simon, which I, he is a former Montreal player, was there for a long time, and then he uh, spent some time with LAFC, went back to France, and then played very briefly for Toronto. Horribly, I might add. I was not a fan of him in Toronto. But he is now on the coaching staff with Montreal. And interestingly enough, that was announced before Henri decided to resign. Now, I don't think Simon is going to be the head coach. I think that would be insane if Montreal decided to do that. <laughs> Which, now that, I'm, now that I'm saying that out loud, I wouldn't put it past him to try that. But, yeah, I mean, who the heck knows? We mentioned it in the last episode, Batistuta from Argentina was reportedly in talks to join an MLS team as a coach, even though there were no openings at the time. So who knows if that report had any had any water to it, had any weight to it. Is that the right phrase? Whatever. So uh, I don't know who's going to be the, the manager going forward. It's also really funny to think about how a – a little over a year ago, Wilmer Cabrera was managing their club. Remember when he took over, like, partway through the season after being in Houston earlier in the 2019 season? Like, yeah, it feels like a lifetime ago. So, yeah, I don't. I mean, what the heck are they doing in training camp right now? That's a very good point. Another point that we didn't actually put in the doc is I think MLS is now down to one coach who is a black person. Yeah. In MLS, one head it's coach. Robin, Robin Frazier. In uh, Colorado, former Toronto FC assistant. So I think that's pretty notable that we're down to one person. Um, it could have been two if Patrick Vieira had said yes to Toronto. Um, but I think Montreal should try to hire a person of color. Like, I think it would be helpful in terms of the league. And I understand why they might go they'll go for the best person available but i think that should be the in the back of the team's mind i also think it should be the back in mls's mind the fact that they only have one head coach who is a black man in or a black person we could have a black woman head coach as well that would be amazing um but i think it is notable that that is the current situation in mls what about patrice bernier I'd love that. Yes. He, he's already been involved with the club. I Has he not been an assistant coach for them the last couple of years, or has he just been in like their front office? Because I know he's been working for the club the last couple of years. He might be an assistant coach. I'm looking I'd at it that. right now, and I can't – well, I can't find – okay, so he is not listed as an assistant coach. So he must work like in the front office or something. Could he be them. an academy coach? Um, I'm not. I'll I'll try to do some digging right now. I I may he might not really be involved on the coaching side. That being said, maybe he can have some input in trying to get a person of color as coach for Montreal. Um, but I was gonna say, I mean, if he is a coach, and if he is coaching, actually, here we go. In 2018, a few weeks after his retirement, he was announced as an assistant coach at the Montreal Impact Academy and became an assistant coach with the first team under Henri. Okay. Oh, but in February of 2021, a.k.a. last month, 
he announced he was leaving his role with the first team to take a broadcasting position, but will remain with the club's academy as post-training supervisor, particularly with the under-23 team. Who knows? Maybe, I mean, if I were Montreal, I'd say, hey, man, you want to just come coach for this year? I mean, it's really last minute, but, you know, you're someone who is very passionate about the club. You've been working with the club since you retired. Why not? We'll give you a chance to come coach for a year and sort of be in a caretaking role. I, I don't, you know, why not do that? I wonder if he went to one soccer, maybe. Uh, uh, TVA Sports, it says. To in who? The, in the, TVA Sports. Oh, that's a French station in Quebec. Uh, okay. So he's still in Quebec, I think is notable. I'd love that. I think that would be a great fit. Um, and it'd be interesting to see what he could do. This was announced, this article about him quitting as assistant coach and becoming a broadcaster. This was February 20th, and Henri caught everyone at Montreal by surprise when he announced his resignation. So I, I do wonder if maybe Bernier is, you know, maybe his interest has peaked a little bit and, and might want to come back. I, I feel like that'd be a good short-term solution at the least. And then, hey, I mean, if it's successful this year, you know, why not make it a long-term, uh, a long-term deal for him? Or at the very least, you know, in the meantime – have him or your front office or whatever look for a a full-time coach in in the long run. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think they should take a chance. And, and, again, maybe Bernier wants nothing to do with it. I, it should be noted that, according to MLSsoccer.com's Tom Bogert, Tommy Scoops, as many people know him by at this point, he did report that a source close to Henri said Henri wasn't exactly impressed during his time in Montreal. So, Maybe people don't even want to coach in Montreal to begin with right now. Who knows? Drew, do you have anything you want to add to the Terry Henry discussion? Not really, except um, I think you bring up a good point with the coach uh, person of color, because my favorite memory, I think, of Terry Henry was when he stood, or no, I think for eight minutes and 46 seconds in MLS's back. Yeah. So I think you bring a really good point of how good of a person he is. But yeah, I think you guys nailed it. Um, Montreal with that short-term fix maybe just buys him some time for a long-term manager or if he ends up liking it there maybe he is a long-term manager but we'll see what happens again Montreal was just really bad to watch last year I think we talked about that a lot so it's really easy to understand why Henry wasn't really impressed um, it is unfortunate that he didn't get to have a normal MLS season and see the city as a whole because I think the city really loves that club behind their precious Canadians, of course, in the NHL. But I think that city is really crazy about MLS, so it's a shame they didn't get to see normal Montreal, but understandable. Team wasn't very good, so it's not hard to see why he wasn't very impressed with the Impact's performance last year. One other thing I want to point out about this, it's now been a week since he announced his resignation, and we haven't, he, we haven't heard a, a single thing about someone taking over at Montreal, which is a little interesting, a little weird. Give him a few days. It's been a week. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> it's been like two months, three months in Toronto FC. Haven't had links to one player. The so. reports could be in French. Maybe that's why we're not seeing them. <laughs> I, I'd like to think that I follow enough MLS reporters in general that news from any club will find its way into in you know into my view. Do you now, speak Fran Fran Case? <laughs> I said Francais, okay? I said Francais for the record. That's I'm not going to get into that right now. I, I do. It, look, look, if I was in Montreal right now, though, I'd be freaking out 
about not having a coach. Like if it's on the front, if I was in the front office, you, you know the SpongeBob episode where he has to forget everything except how to be a waiter at a fine dining he forgets establishment. His name. Exactly, and remember all the little SpongeBob's running around in his brain, like stuff is on fire, and they're like, "What's our name? What's his name?" Like that's, that's what they're how doing because no one really knows what their name is anyway. That's exactly what Montreal's doing right now. Th- are we the foot? I mean, are we the impact? Club <laughs> the foot. Yeah, if I was Montreal, I'd be like, "Who's our coach? Who's our coach? Who are we gonna get What's as our, our coach?" Like, just running around everywhere. Well, gentlemen, I think this has been a good episode. Uh, Drew, is your microphone working? It is. It's recording. It is? Good. Then why don't you take us out? Yes, thank you guys so much. As always, for listening, we really appreciate all of our listeners from all around the world. So wherever you're listening, we really appreciate it. Um, As always, please visit MLSMultiplex.com as our writers continue to produce really awesome stories as the offseason continues to happen And as we get closer to the 2021 MLS season, so please visit MLSMultiplex.com to check out all of our written content. As always, as well, follow MLS Multiplex on Twitter at MLS Multiplex to see our stories come out when they are posted on the Twitter sphere. So feel free to give that a follow on Twitter and also give us a follow on Twitter. Myself at underscore Drew Hubbard, Josh at Josh underscore Boland, and Connor at CWG Somerville to catch some MLS news and our takes on it as it happens. And thank you guys again so much for listening. We really appreciate it. Please leave a review on the podcast. We love hearing from you guys, how we can get better and ways we can improve. So please do that. We really appreciate feedback. And thank you guys again so much for listening. Really appreciate it. And we will talk to you all next week. Thank you for listening to the MLS Multiplex podcast. Check out all of the contributors' written work at MLSMultiplex.com. mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. You just take your shot. It doesn't feel like you're on a diet. What I wasn't expecting it to do was to shut off the food noise. This was life-altering, and if I can do it, I feel like anybody can do it. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com.